The title of today's message is A Call for Missional Living of All Christ Followers. The text today, my text today is famous passage of Matthew 28. Verse 16 through 20. Oftentimes, it, uh, Matthew 18, 28, 18 through 20 is called Great Commission of Jesus Christ. And it is mainly because it's the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples, to his followers, including us. So in that regard, I think it is appropriate to to read the text one more time, although Stan just read it. Matthew 28, verse 16 below. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has given has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So it's a quick overview of an observation that we need to make is why is Great Commission so important? And we live in a day and age that it, uh, plurality and uh, tolerance, certainly the exclusivity of the gospel of Christ is not popular at all. And even non-Christians not to mention non-Christians, but the Christian world is embracing that either universal salvation or the plurality of religions as if the Christ is one of many through which God can save us. It's not so. And let me just mention four, at least four reasons why this is important. Number one, it is the last words of our Lord Jesus. When I was growing up, I still remember this vivid uh, folk tale, the Korean folk tale, Green Frog Story. And some of you guys know that. The basically, the story goes like this. Do you know why green frogs on a rainy day cry? You could hear just loud cry of riverbanks, right? This is why. A green frog was very particularly rebellious little frog who did always the opposite of what his mom told him to do. Go south and he will go to north. Do this, he will do that. She will say, sit down, and she will, he will stand up every single way. The time that the mother frog was passing away, she's worried because what if I tell him to bury me up in the mountain? He's going to do the opposite and bury me 
you know, nearby the river, river bank. So carefully she said, son, listen to me. If when I die, you must promise me to bury me by the river bank. And she died. And the green frog was sad and cried. And for the first time in his life, I will do what she says. And instead of going up to the mountain, he buried her, his mom by the riverbank. The rain came, washed away much of the mud around it. Then the heavy rain came. Her tomb, the entire tomb, was flushed away. So in the rain, he started crying. And his offsprings cry, still to this day. I tell you this story because, simply because of one reason. Even the rebellious green frog listened to the last words of his mom. And any person's last word, if we really respect, even more so. And this is Jesus' last words. And we might think that green frog was just obnoxious, rebellious kid, but when you think about the, the modern-day Christ followers, the church that belongs to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, do we pay attention to his last words? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Oh, I don't like Chinese food. I don't like the smell. I don't like the dirty things. Oh, I heard their bathroom is really bad. Whatever the reason might be. Uh, you know, there's some special category people who could go, but not me. Well, even in our backyard, there's non-Christians, you know, right next to our cubicles or fences near our neighbors. Do we go? It is important because this is his last words. Number two, it is not a suggestion but a command of Christ. And 2 Timothy 2, 3, 4 says this, Suffer hardship with me, Apostle Paul is to, to saying this, his spiritual son, mentor, protege, Timothy. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service will entangle himself with civilian affairs to please the commanding officer which you enlisted him. This is not a suggestion. Our Jesus, the Lord, the commanding officer, the Lord of the universe, has commanded us. Number three, it is still true that people are lost without Christ. I alluded that the fact that our culture has changed quite a bit. As a matter of fact, this past week I read a good news in the midst of this dark, compromising world. Um, By the way, in general, uh, I consider my background, my upbringing is very blessing. So much of my ministry and background was a PCA USA. 
Presbyterian Church of the United States of America. This is the largest Presbyterian denomination. But over the years, he has gotten theologically very uh, inclusive, liberal, and not all churches are liberal theologically and went astray from the central gospel of Christ, but the leadership has drifted away. So good news is this. One of the mega churches, PCUSA mega church in Menlo Park Presbyterian Church in near Stanford University, and famous author by the name of John Orpert. He's the pastor there. He led that leadership, and then the whole congregation had a vote on coming out of the PCS USA and joining those people who came out of PCUSA because of theological reasons to join into the new, I think it's called ECA or something like that, Evangelical Presbyterian Church of America or something like that. They created a new thing. But in their document, John Oldberg writes, the PCUSA no longer be, believes the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is not God, that Jesus is not the only way. They became so embracive. This is one of the reasons why missions is an afterthought. A special category of people who likes intercultural activities and adventures and, and stuff like that. No, people are still lost without Christ. You see, missions push the issue to us. Do I really believe this? That everyone fallen away from God, whole entire human race is damned without the righteousness, the full righteousness that we cannot muster. So we have, we have no hope whatsoever. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That he gave his life. Jesus gave his life ransom for our sin, atoned for our sin, and that whoever believes in, in Jesus as our Savior and Lord can go to God, can go to heaven. I didn't say we, don't, we go to hell for not believing in Christ. We go to hell because of our sin. So all of us have a terminal disease and somebody's freely offering, here's the cure. And whoever refuses, die. The gospel is Jesus has given us free gift of God. Whoever put our full trust in his son should not perish but have everlasting life. So this is the month that we could think about. My cousins, my my uncles and aunt, my parents, do they really go to the place that I would never want to think about? Are they hopeless? Are they lost? My friends, we could begin with that. But the people who have never have a chance, like Zhuang people, who know about Rudolph and Santa Claus, but never heard about 
the name of Jesus. What about them? We get to hear the gospel all the time. See, we are at the crossroad. Do I believe this? Or do I think it's just kind of imaginary thing that hopeful thinks that something happens? Scripture said, choose for yourself. And it, it helps us to, to think about that. And number four, and lastly, it is given to all Christ followers without an exception. And Jesus is saying to the people who are watching him being ascending to the heaven, and said, um, stay put in Jerusalem, you will receive the power you will receive the Holy Spirit, that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It is given to us as well. The issue is whether to obey or disregard. It is applicable to us. And when, when we are continually continue disregard his calling to, to live missionally, what happens is the harvest is flat, plentiful. The people are still actually hungry for God. And they need to hear the gospel of Christ. But because of our disobedience, the laborers are so few. And Jesus said, ask the, the Lord of the harvest, Father, to send more laborers. And when, once again, because just because our church is small, that doesn't mean that oh, we're not ready for that kind of thing. Maybe the mega church or the bigger church are more capable. Can we just pay attention? But caring for each other. No, never. From day one, the, the, the commission... Great commission has given along with our new commitment to love one another. It's a both end. We can't say, for now, we're going to love each other, husband and wife. Children, you've got to wait until you know, we feel good about each other. And 20 years pass, and I'm going to Pay attention. You know how it happens, that. So with this reminders and big picture, let's step right into the Great Commission itself, which is the central part of what missional living looks like. And then we're, let's revisit the famous uh, uh, passage with four questions in mind. The first question is this, who gave the great commission? Commission. In verse 16 and 17 sets the setting, and starting with verse 18 is the great commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. For the fact that they worshipped him, you don't worship people. 
Actually, John, the apostle, um, was worshiping the angel when he saw the angel. The angel stopped, stopped him. You should worship God. The same thing with the apostle Peter when the, the new believers were bowing down before him. He, they stopped him. He stopped him. Verse 17 uh, again. But some doubted. Who, who doubted? Maybe uh, contextually speaking, this Jesus showed up with the, his resurrected body. This is a, uh, another appearance of Jesus after resurrection. And maybe not necessarily the 11 disciples, disciples, but the other followers, brethren coming along. Maybe they doubted. But whatever the reason, Jesus said, go to this mountain, wait for me, and I will give you the last word. In verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't professed, claimed to be a prophet. Jesus claimed to be God. And then the mystery of God becoming a human, the incarnation, the God, Jesus was actually not 50% God and 50% human. He was 100% God, 100% man. Why was it necessary? Because it 100% man's side was necessary to atone for other sin. If he was not man, he cannot atone, die, sacrificial death is not working there. The fact that he's 100% God, he is sinless, he is completely, absolutely perfect, that he came. And because of the human side, he his obedience to the suffering and death on the cross, God the Father lifted him up and gave him the lordship of the entire universe. Let's go to first. Historian by the name of Philip Sheff, he writes about Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke words of life such as were never spoken before nor since and and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he has set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, works of art, learned volumes, 
and sweet songs of praise than the whole army of great people of ancient and modern time. Born in a manger, crucified as a malefactor, he controls the destinies of the civilized world and rules a spiritual empire that encircles the globe. Even the non-Christians admit the scope of impact of Jesus of Nazareth. But if we turn to Scripture, this is what Paul says in Philippians 2, 8 and 10. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on, the cro- on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that, Je- that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall, should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. At the time being, people might have choice as a, as a moral agent themselves. So people can blaspheme, disagree, and disrespectful to Christ. But that, the, the day will come, the day of the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, will confess that Jesus is the Lord. This authority has given to Jesus. And with that authority, he's giving out this great commission. Just to, per- to be perfectly clear, let's quote Acts uh, 4.12 again, this time Apostle Peter. He says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. People of God, in coming days and years, our church will be shaken as well to be more inclusive, to be more politically, socially, and theologically correct about Christ. When we give in to the inclusivity of the gospel, in a sense that Jesus is not the only way, two things will happen. We will walk away from God and Scripture entirely, and we will turn our backs on missions. Well, another way of putting it is when we are hot on this issue, the gospel is in Christ and Christ alone, the missions will be a hot item for us. It is not an afterthought. It is not something that we could put away and, and put it off until we have more time and more energy. Going back in conclusion, I mean in summary, 
on that we ought to think about the Christ giving us that commission means we are given the authority. Of course, what would you know what would make us to be so powerful that we go across the ocean, across the culture, and these unknown people who don't have a clue of who we are. Like Boy and Cindy and Bob and Grace and Wade and Helen, the same way. But authority is not in our authority, but authority of Jesus Christ. That his authority is over people, over government, over nature, over any kind of metaphysical phenomenon, spiritual world, demonic spirits, and you name it. And we remember that it's 360 degree command so we don't have to think about, oh, someday when I go, I'll deal with that. It, it happens when we just walk out this door and go back to our Orange County world that we are facing the cultural value war battles. The God of money and God of abundance in that culture. Jesus has better solution. Jesus has better joy for people. It is not make-believe that when we really love people, we cannot avoid the issue that if I really love you, I must share this gospel with you. I must participate in this great commission. Number two question is why is the Great Commission given? And it is because Christ's gospel and kingdom would reach the end of the earth. It is, it is really coincide with the last week's message. God has chosen Abraham, one person, and his family. And he makes covenant. Out of grace, he didn't merit. He couldn't earn it. And his sovereign plan is to bring blessing through Abraham and through his family and through his nation, Israelites, and then Abraham's, Abraham's seed, which is singular, Christ himself came out of the Abraham so that all families of the world can be blessed. That God will have this plan to bring the blessing to all peoples, all ethnic groups, not the geopolitical nations again, but even in China, you know, we think of it Chinese, right? There's several dialects, as, as, as uh, Dermot mentioned. Verse 19, this is the essence of what Christ is commanding us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
Make disciples of people that I like. No, all nations meaning penta ta etne. Ta etne meaning the all types of people groups. So people who are not given the gospel, that we are to go. Of course, that doesn't mean the people who, next, who are next to us is not applicable. Everyone is. But our attention should be global. Then everything else is come under them. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And John 3.16, once again, give us, gives us the scope and why. For God so loved the world that he gave his own Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, I'm, I'm praying in my mind that my human voice would not be it, that what you're just hearing that you will hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit, that you begin to have aching heart in your heart, starting with the people that you know and you love so much, that our missions month, missions awareness month begins to be, in a good sense, disturbing a little bit. It certainly has for me. So when we look at this God's sovereign plan, so many times we have uh, mentioned this, the thinking rightly about God, the beginning of entertaining of wrong thoughts about God is the essence of idolatry, according to Adel Tozer. So when we begin to think about God in a cultural context, because we are influenced by culture, mainly it's a consumerism. Pragmatism. Does it work? Does this product work? So when we think about God, we tend to think about God that way also too. Is God, does God work for me? More blatantly, we may we never use that term, to be honest, to ourselves, but is God useful? For my happiness. That's a subtle, very deadly lie. But according to this plan, according to scripture, right thoughts about God is actually sovereign God. Sovereign God calls us to his plan, invites us to participate, that we become part of his life, his plan. Not that God becomes part of our life that we run the life, he becomes a small sort that gets the small section and room of religiosity in our lives. Great Commission challenges to think that way. I mean, think differently about that. So when you, when you, when you think about your life right now, would you think about that? Do I belong to God's sovereign plan? Am I participating actively in that? Or do I want God to cooperate by blessing my life and my children? 
if you are realizing, I, I realize that, but I can't help it. But cure is paying attention to the missions. You participate. Locally, you could go to the soup kitchens and you could participate in the trafficking, anti-trafficking ministry. And pray for Wade and Helen, Bob and Grace and Boy and Cindy. Participate in care package that we're doing. Pray for their kids and give you love and care as you get the items for them. Number three, the promise given, what is the promise given along with the Great Commission? And obviously this is Jesus would be always with us to the end of the age. And verse 20, isn't it comforting thought? He ends the Great Commission with, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As he promised the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you guys read it? I'm still disturbed Thursday because of social network. I saw this news, Washington Times. In North Korea, Kim Jong-un ordered the execution of 33 Christians because they communicated with Southern, I mean South Korean missionary. 33 Christians will die for the sake of Christ's name. There are a couple of thoughts that kind of uh, go through my mind. Obviously, that's horrific. Just to think about the 33 Christians in this day and age, 21st century, would die like that. And we're not talking about Nero or the first century. The second thought is this. God is sovereign. He has a plan. He loves North Koreans as well. And I think this is a beginning sign of I'm not prophet. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying, thus say it the Lord, anything like that. But through the spiritual eyes, we could see God's aching heart whenever there is a blood in the name of Jesus. God's going to open up North Korea. And we ought to pray for North Korea. And pay attention to what's going on. We must refuse the desensitization of the feeling that, oh, they're always that way anyway. I live in America. There's a freedom. We, we just want to thank God. May God help us. May God turn our hearts to his great commission, to his aching heart because of this. A comforting thought, brothers and sisters, is this. When there's thousands of people are coming forward at Billy Graham Crusade, God is with us. But you know what? According to this promise, in North Korea, as people are dying in the name of Jesus and persecuted for ridiculous reasons by this tyrant, Jesus is with them. 
He's never forgotten them. He is with them right now in their suffering. I have just one more point. Let me just wrap up. I know I want to wrap up with this. Uh, more practical solutions or a response. How should we respond? Uh, to simply put, by active obedience to the Great Commission, what I would call a missional living, that we might not uh, dichotomize a polarized way of looking at it. Oh, I'm not boy and Cindy, I'm not going yet. Paul pushes me to go short term. So maybe there will be a time, but now. I'm safe. No, instead of doing that, 360 of missionary living is when we out, go out the door, we embrace Great Commission as our responsibility to be part of helping to fulfill the Great Commission together, to obey our commanding officer who enlisted in us, to please and bring glory to God and to participate in his Greater joy when the gospel is spread. So here are a few things. Not out of duty or legalism, but out of love for Christ. John 14, 15, and 21 says that too. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. I suggest at least four things. Number one, we ought to take decisive step to active obedience to the Great Commission. It might be different from person to person, but by the end of today's service, this morning's service, we ought to say, Jesus, I take a step. I want to actively obey whatever that will look like. Not later, not week, two weeks later, not five years later, not when the kids grow up, when you become an empty nester, but right now. Number two, we ought to go to our backyard as well as to the end of the earth in order to make disciples of all peoples. I have four sons, as you all know, most of you know, 14 and every two years. I'm tired, always tired because of the kids. Our things in our house always broke, get, get broken because our, our boys get wild. And our walls are somewhat weirdly taped. And those are the parts that their butt went into that. <laughs> and I'm a pastor of a young church plant but full, full of the young parents. And I could say, Lord, I'm, I'm all for this great commission, but mission of living, but uh, you got to wait a little. Remember that this year's vision and direct, spiritual direction for Crossway and to love our neighbor? So I say yes to that. I took a step this year. And this is my short version of Crossway story. I decided to open up 
whatever I can, take responsibility of loving our neighbor and take participate in Great Commission. Most of you guys know that I, the only form of exercise that I do is lap swimming. Because running kills me. Um, I was a swimmer, so I, you know, I was doing lap swim in LA Fitness every morning after I drop up Silas. And this young guy interrupted me. I was a little agitated, you know, irritated. So can I borrow your goggles for two laps? And then I said, you know, I'm almost done. I have five more laps, and you, you could use it. And then uh, when I'm looking at, I was looking at my old self. He was fast, and he was half of my size. He was 21-year-old, and so I feel a little jealous about how fast he goes. But at the end, my remind, the God's remind, the Holy Spirit's reminder is love him. Don't think of him as interruptions in your life. So I strike a conversation with him. I find out he's uh, part of the group, comes to LA Fitness every morning. 15, 20 uh, guys come from rehab. He's, she said, it is my sixth time. And this young guy was opening up. Opening up in a way that he said, anything that could help me, I'm open. So I said, I'm going to bring a little booklet called Unbecoming Christian. And he read it. He said, oh, anything else? And you, it's really good. And I'm going through a really tough time. So, you know, he said, yeah, pray for me. So I decided to pray for him. I take him out out of the building just to give a little privacy. As soon as he comes out, I learned about this, the fact that the, the recovering addicts, when they try to kick the habit, they pick up smoke because it's, it's really hard for them, right? So extra, extra smoke. He said that he picked up smoking at rehab. And in a way, this was so refreshing to me because he was, I got to smoke. I need a smoke, and he's smoking right in front of me, uh, on my face, as I'm praying for him. Just imagine that. How refreshing is that? This guy has no idea. Or he just learned that, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's been several weeks. We run into each other, and he swims with me. And he kind of pushes me. Hey, come on. You know, let's keep our pace with you. I said, don't go too fast. <laughs> he introduces me to a group of guys in steam room. All these guys with you know, macho things. I'm shaking his, their hand. And one, one of the guys, long hair, comes, oh, you must be a, a priest or pa- pa- oh, pastor, Pastor Paul. And this guy named Peter comes up to me and says, and he's about 10 years older than uh, the young guy, and I, I asked him a very simple question. How are you doing? It's Friday. It was raining a little bit. And he started sharing about his father, and he started crying in the middle of everywhere. I mean, like, a, like a, he comments everywhere, right? So I didn't have time to take him out for privacy. I got a little embarrassed, like, you know, in the middle of it. 
I'm praying for him. And young guy, Kevin, comes around and puts his hand together. And we're praying for him. And after the prayer, he embraced me so tight. And let, let, me, let me just reveal this to you. It's not a happy ending story that there is no uh, problem. At, at, at the end. They still struggle. They come. And there are some days that he's, he looks angry. But it's been several weeks that I've been sharing that I give another booklet. See, we could go where we are. Your pregnant moms and your nursing moms, we could begin to pray. That's the beginning of participating, actively obeying to the Great Commission. Just two more things, and I'm done. I, we ought to take an active part with our treasures, our talents, and our time. There might be ways that you could participate. Um, some, some, people, some people are great at you know, um, the organizing things or even care package. Who's going to coordinate? Who's going to send it? You could participate in that. That's part of obeying uh, with your talents and time. And lastly, we ought to partner with other Christ followers synergistically to help fulfill the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not the superman. We are not the superhero who could do anything all by ourselves. We are to partner together. That's why our home groups, our missional community, that's why we ought to partner with Wade and Helen. Bob and Grace, and Boy and Cindy. And this is my prayer today. As I close, that every single one of us would take that step. Would you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. The love that has no boundary that you would love Asians, Hispanics, Africans, Middle Easterns, and people who are all kinds of different kind of culture. And thank you also that you called us to, to this great commission through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that with all the problems and shortcomings we have and limitations we have, that you will nudge us to take a step this morning and this month. And may your joy increase and glory of the Lord will be revealed in what we obey. And that's our prayer. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.